These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties. But in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. In Spring Branch, we speak more than 145 different languages, and that diversity translates into a thriving economy. Our district's a melting pot. It's a great place to find the staff you need. Spring Branch is working for business. Yours. Find out more at spmd.org. Hi, and welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places. It's all here. I'm Rebecca Schutz, housing reporter at the Houston Chronicle, and... And I'm Marissa Luck, real estate reporter at Houston Chronicle. Today, we have Enrique Martinez-Garcia and Leila Asani, economists with the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, to talk about the Dallas Fed's recent paper, which found signs of a brewing housing bubble. Hi, Enrique. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining us. And hi, Leila. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining us. I found the paper fascinating because I think a lot of people have been wondering if the housing market, which everyone who has bought recently knows has been insane. I think the average home price in Houston just broke 400000 for the first time in history. And I think a lot of people are wondering like, oh man, could it be overheating? How long is this sustainable? But for the first two years of the pandemic, people were saying that skyrocketing home prices were supported by the fundamentals because there was a shortage of home and a surge in demand. So you're finding that prices might be outstripping fundamentals and that a fear of missing out or FOMO is playing a role was super interesting to me. I was wondering if you guys could talk a little bit about how this report came about. Quick note, me and Marissa found a lot to unpack with the definition of a bubble. So stay tuned after words and we'll debrief. The fear of missing out is uh, another way of saying that uh, expectations are driving a lot of people to make the choice of getting to the market uh, right now. And uh, what we were concerned about this is that while this might originally be driven by fundamentals, the rates of price increase, even adjusting by inflation, especially adjusting by inflation, are just off the charts. We haven't seen rates like this since the previous boom prior to the 2007-2009 crisis. And basically, what we do in this paper is to deploy a series of, of, of novel techniques that allow us to try to tease out uh, to what extent we, we think this, this pattern of price appreciation is actually consistent with a normal, healthy, and sustainable housing market. And uh, well, the numbers don't appear consistent, don't appear likely to be consistent with a normal market. So something uh, seems to be taking a hold uh, of the market. And that's something is what worries us. It's an expectation-driven type of bubble, potentially, that can be behind the appreciation that we see. And just to give you a couple of numbers uh, to fix ideas of why we are concerned, prior to the pandemic, so between 1977 and 2019, house price growth adjusted by inflation in the U.S. averaged 2%. Mm-hmm. The last numbers that we had for the fourth quarter of 2021, the growth rate in the U.S. was close to, in real terms, close to 15%. So even adjusted for inflation, that's way more than 2%. It's just huge. It's off the charts. We, we haven't seen such a large increase um, in the historical series. 
that's a national number. Dallas-Fort Worth was about 13%, so uh, not that far below the nation, the nation's average. Uh, for Houston, it was uh, somewhat smaller and more closer to 7%. A lot of people were saying that this really sort of abnormal price growth was because there's just a shortage of homes and such demand for homes. So when we're talking about fundamentals, I think one of those tricky parts is sort of like figuring out how to quantify the fundamentals. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so there are uh, when when you try to to look at uh, at the behavior of of any price, there are two things that you want to consider: how much of it it reflects actually uh, the forces of demand and supply, and that will be how much it's reflecting the fundamentals, either because conditions are changing now or because you expect them to change in the future. And there are two ways to deal uh, with that. One is you can actually take a statement or, or make a statement and, and, and say, well, these are the things that we believe are important for, for characterizing the key variables on the demand and the supply side on the markets. You can look at uh, mortgage rates, disposable income, construction costs, land availability, all those sorts of things on the supply and demand side. And there is a room for that. There is another sort of uh, approach, uh, which is what I call the, uh, the medical approach or, or the symptomatic approach, which is you look at how the data behaves and, and you look for patterns that are unusual. A little bit uh, the same like you do when you put a, ther a thermometer and the reading that you get, you compare it against sort of what the normal range uh, uh, for a fever would be. So if you're above a certain uh, value, something is off. The type of approach that we are following in this study is, is the second approach, uh, uh, trying to detect the symptoms. And one of the key pieces of evidence for this is we've never seen such a steep increase in prices and an acceleration in the growth rate of prices in history going back to the 70s. Both, and, and this is true both at the national level as well as in Dallas-Fort Worth and to some extent also in Houston. So you were looking for when things tipped outside of the normal range. And I think you were looking at two specific ratios, right? Like home prices versus rent prices. Is that right? And home yeah. prices yeah. versus income. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the amount that home crisis has grown compared to either how much you pay to rent or what people are making really skyrocketed, which means a lot of people are sort of straining their finances to own in a way that they wouldn't be straining their finances if they were renting. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. So one is measuring, as you say, one is measuring affordability. That's the price to income ratio. It's a crude measure of affordability. The other one is measuring or proxying for profitability. The price to rent ratio at the end of the day is sort of the equivalent of the price to dividend ratio on a stock. You've looked at the data since the 70s. I guess if we're looking forward, you're saying we're in this unusual territory. How, how does the market usually leave like this strange territory of prices outstripping wages and rents? Let me add a broad comment, uh -huh. and, and I'll, I'll, I'll let Leila tell us a little bit more about the specifics okay. of, of the Texas uh, housing market, because it's very unique and in some ways 
different mm-hmm. from uh, from uh, what we see at the, the nation. But one of the things and the big point that I want to get across is, uh, the two big points I want to get across is, first of all, a run-up in house prices can be sustained for a significant period of time. This has negative consequences while it lasts because that's pricing out a lot of uh, young couples that are trying to form a family or low-income families. It doesn't have to necessarily end with a large correction. A lot of this will depend ultimately on whether we, A, get demand and supply closer together, and that's going to depend on what happens with, for instance, the path of monetary policy that potentially can restrain the demand and the willingness of suppliers to come into the market to to meet the the needs of, of the market. In principle, it doesn't have to end with a bust. And the second point that I want to get across is to, to try to warn people of the risk that a lot of what we are seeing lately in housing markets might be driven by expectations about future appreciations that are simply not sustainable. And we think that by raising awareness about this issue, hopefully we are contributing to people uh, refraining uh, from uh, flooding the market. And, uh, and hopefully that actually can also contribute to more gradually bring us back to a more sustainable uh, situation. But the case of Texas is a little bit different. Leila can tell you more. You know, Texas has been uh, a faster growing state compared if you look at across the nation. And so when you see, you know, population grow and when you see job growth, that can typically support the fundamentals in the housing market. A lot of people were moving from other parts of the country and driving up prices. And when they move from a higher cost market to a lower cost, they bring with them a lot of equity, which also obviously helped drive um, some of the prices up. So we feel for Texas because we've seen this out-migration from the, you know, the West Coast and the East Coast more towards the Sunbelt markets, which includes Texas. A lot of the activity in Texas is driven by those fundamentals. To top it off, inventory has been really short. So our existing home inventory um, in Texas is around one month of supply. Typically, six months is considered a balanced market. And we've been under the five-month threshold since going back all the way to 2013. And so we feel that the fundamentals are in place in terms of supporting the price increases that we have seen. So, Leila, I had a question about mortgage rates going up. You know, we've seen them just continue to climb the past few months. Will we start to see that kind of dampen some of this hot housing market or help to kind of uh, take care of some of those concerns about a bubble because people would, you know, it will end up pricing out some folks or um, alternatively, are you expecting people to just, you know, take on higher monthly payments to be able to afford the price appreciation? So I think it depends on the buyer. So if the buyer is a cash buyer, then obviously the mortgage rate is not going to have an impact on their buying power, especially if they're moving, if they are a relocation buyer and they're bringing equity from a different state, which we have seen quite a bit in the last two years occur across the state. I think those buyers will be less deterred by the rise in mortgage rates. But for the local buyers who are either an entry-level buyer or a move-up buyer. For them, a higher mortgage rate will be a big deterrent going forward. We also have to realize that many of the move-up buyers, and these are buyers who already live in a home but are wanting to move up to a bigger home or to a different location, many of them have their mortgages sub-4%. And so it's going to be harder for them to trade up 
uh, to a higher mortgage rate and a higher price point. And so I think that some of those buyers will definitely be deterred by the higher mortgage rates and will uh, likely exit the market. Also, with rates going higher, yes, your, your payment increases and that means you can afford less home. And so we will see um, some softening in the market. We haven't started to see that yet appear in the market because I think right now it's more sort of buyers who can uh, who can make the numbers work are in panic mode. Um, they're enthusiastic, but they're panicking at the same time because they're seeing rates rise and they're seeing prices rise. And so they want to get ahead of those rate increases and they're trying to lock in their rate if they can find that home. So I think for now, it's probably giving um, uh, the market a boost, but eventually it will peter out. Yeah. And I guess I was wondering what you would say to someone who's like thinking about buying a home who's like, yeah, I really want to own. I'm thinking about having a family or whatever the case may be. I see mortgage rates going up and I feel like affordability like might be slipping out my fingers. What would be like the cost benefit analysis of buying now versus waiting because prices might not necessarily go down, right? They might just slow their rise. Well, I feel like they are in this tough spot and we're talking about FOMO as if um, the fear of missing out on this window of affordability is unreasonable. But um, I guess, you know, if you're talking to someone trying to parse out that decision, what, what would you tell them? So I think I'll start off with the very basic caveat that you should only buy a home if you can afford to do so. Yeah. You have to look at the bigger picture and make sure that your finances work out. Mm-hmm. It's not about your payment next month or the month after, but it's a long term, you know, it's a lifestyle change. It's a long, long term decision. And so you have to keep everything in mind to make sure that you can afford the home, not just now, but, you know, five, 10 years down the road. I completely agree. But let me add just one small observation. I, I agree with, with what Leila has stated, but, you know, as interest rates start to rise that window of opportunity for the FOMO investors closes down. If that's all that is driving the huge price appreciation right now, that by itself is going to cool down, is going to contribute to cool down uh, the markets because a lot of those investors have already come into the market. And I think the expectation, if you look at a lot of the forecasts that housing market analysts have put out for the year, the rate of appreciation is supposed to substantially slow down this year compared to what we saw in 2020 and in 2021. So I've seen uh, ranges from anywhere between like 2 and 6% price growth, which is sort of in line with what we typically see in a given year. That's super interesting what you're saying about investors. So the idea is a prime driver is just the low cost of, well, I don't know, aren't a lot of investors doing cash offers? Or a lot of them driven by low interest rates. A lot of the institutions have now come into the housing market. So I think for them, I think rates factor into their decision in the sense that their yields also have to reflect. The Fed funds rate is a risk-free rate. And so depend what an investor wants for their investment is based on what that risk-free rate looks like, right? So as that rate rises, their, their return also needs to be reflective of that increase. Uh, so in, in terms of that, I think it, it might have an impact and, and it may, may not. They might still find single family to be a, a great investment uh, has been the case. But I think who it might deter more so are, are the mom and pop buyers who obviously don't have the institutional capital to be able to buy up, you know, you know, hundreds of homes or thousands of homes on cash. They make these one, two purchases 
many of them are financed through a mortgage. We talked about the departure from fundamentals being like less so in Houston, which I feel like has has historically been a little bit insulated from the, the larger cycles of real estate nationally. But mm-hmm. I do think like a lot of people are talking about like Austin. I know some people who have like considered buying in Austin and are like, yeah, I'm going to sit this out. I guess you've talked about how how much prices are rising, but I'm assuming like the departure from home prices and rents and home prices and incomes, is that also larger than it is in Houston or are incomes rising and rents rising fast enough that home prices are in line? So I haven't looked at the, the data in detail. Okay. So, so based on anecdotally and observing other variables that relates to income and, and to home prices. So prices have run up really fast, but incomes also have risen quite a bit in Austin. And that's because Austin is sort of a, it's a high-tech center of the state, right? A lot of our technology job and our professional and service jobs, which tend to be much higher than many other sectors, are concentrated in Austin. I think the increases of income are supporting the prices. Thank you guys both so much for coming and sharing your expertise with our listeners and us. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you for having us. Hey, so what do you think? I feel like my brain's a little bit lost in some of the jargon. I mean, I guess I still don't understand why they initially said we could be in a housing bubble. It seemed like what Enrique was saying was essentially prices are just going up at a crazy rate. You know, we haven't seen this in a long time. And I don't really understand beyond that. Like other than prices going up, like why does he think that it's actually not tied to fundamentals anymore? Yeah. So it was interesting because when I read the paper, I thought it was saying something maybe a little bit different than what I had been hearing economists saying. And then when I talked to him, I was like, oh, actually, I think it's actually sort of in line with what people are saying. And I think the trick comes down to how do you measure a bubble? Like, how do you define it? Like, Or actually, I think mm. the trick comes down to how do you measure fundamentals, right? And mm. he was saying he was taking this like symptomatic approach. He was looking at two different ratios, the home price compared to incomes, which is like an affordability Mm -hmm. measure, right? And then the home price compared to rents, which is sort of like, how good of an investment is it? So he was looking at those two ratios. And he was just like, if you look over time, they have this relationship in the paper, there's these graphs. And then right now they're diverging. So there's an unusual divergence, which the last time he saw was in the Great Recession. I think we all know that prices are rising faster than normal, right? So in a way So basically the paper was saying that the home prices are escalating at a faster pace than rents are rising and inflations are rising. Yeah, at a faster rate than rents are rising and at a faster rate than incomes are rising. And sort of saying that's not sustainable forever. Yeah, I guess the elusive thing is like this word FOMO that he was saying. I mean, because he used the word like exuberance, FOMO, and I was just like, oh, as if uh, people were becoming a little bit irrational. Like it implies to me that people think that prices are going to still keep going up. But I think what economists have been forecasting is that prices sort of taper off. 
and maybe like slow down enough for wage growth or rent growth to catch up and make it make more sense? So I guess my question is, what is the answer? Are are we actually in a bubble? Because after talking with them, I was like, I don't know if we're in a bubble. And then, you know, what is your sense? Yeah, I think it depends on what the definition of a bubble is for you. I I think that's something that they were really emphasizing is like, doesn't mean that prices will fall. And I, this is something I was hearing from economists at the beginning of the pandemic, which is just like, yeah, we all have the Great Recession as this looming thing in our mind and um, where prices did fall. But I think here they just mean bubble as in like, this is really weird territory and it's not sustainable and we will exit it somehow. But how it exits could be just like the rise in home values slowing down a little bit as inflation and job growth and or wage growth and things like that have time to catch up a little bit. Supply has time to catch up a little bit. And in the long term, things will just like ease back into normal instead of like crashing back to normal. Like, I think their definition of bubble doesn't necessarily imply a pop, if that makes sense. It just implies unsustainability. It's like a balloon that you try really hard to keep inflated, you know, like after your birthday and then it just Uh hangs on and it slowly like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it you know what i mean like one down of those ones over from the grocery store and, and you really want it to hang on <laughs> instead of you know your whatever two-year-old nephew coming and popping it it's yeah just, it's just a sad demand i mean for home buyers of course it, it's probably a good thing well that was something i was trying to get at i was like will it be a good thing i guess if you i guess it depends on what happens with your job right because wage growth is like yeah because I guess I'm like for me as a buyer I could be like okay so maybe home prices will stop rising as fast and they'll go back to a normal like two to five percent you know and inflation will rise and inflation is supposed to rise my job wages too right so maybe like if I start making more money and home prices haven't increased as much. It's like sort of the same for me, but if mortgage rates also increase. Like the calculus is kind of hard, I think. Yeah. And I think this narrative that wages are going up so much and that's part of inflation. I'm like, which sector of the economy? <laughs> I've heard this in hospitality, but yeah. like, honestly, what I'm hearing anecdotally is people are getting some wage increases, but it's like two or 3%. It's not like the 9% inflation. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the sense that I got is that we have signs that we could be in a bubble, but they're not quite ready to call it that yet, or maybe not in Houston, but it is like really hot. All right. Thanks, Marissa, for helping me unpack that. Thank you listeners for tuning in. If you ever want to send an idea for a podcast or just say hi, you can reach out on Facebook or Twitter. I'm at R.A. Schutz. That's R-A-S-C-H-U-E-T-Z. I'm at Marissa Buck 7. And if you go to HoustonChronicle.com slash looped in, we'll have a link to the paper that we unpack in this episode. Thanks to our print editors, Lily Thomas and Rob Gavin. Scott Kingsley is our producer. Thanks to Pharaoh Gibbs and his band All the Komodos for the theme music. Until next time.